Hi, this is Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, and welcome to the Content Bros Podcast, where you'll hear the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world. The show is brought to you by Oracle Marketing Cloud, helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. The show is brought to you by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create manage and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. And the show is brought to you by Convince and Convert, content marketing strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your content better. The hosts of the show are Jeff Cohen and Randy Frisch. Find all links, archives, and more at contentprospodcast.com. And now, here's Jeff, Randy, and this week's special guest. Welcome to another episode of Content Pros. I'm Randy Frisch from Uberflip. Very excited today. I've got Jeff Cohen from Oracle Marketing Cloud, always by my side, keeping this fun podcast. And today we're gonna we're gonna dive deep into video, but you know, a different angle of video. I think too often as marketers, we think of these really crisp, well, you know, produced videos over time that we strategize over, but you know. There's a whole other angle of video. It's it's genuine. It's raw. It's things like what Jay Bear does, who's part of Convince and Convert, where he brings video blogs to us on a daily basis. So we're going to be joined by Amy Schmidt-Tower. Amy's a, a great vlogger. We're going to talk about if I even pronounce that right. Uh, Jeff, maybe you can do better justice of that and bring Amy into the show. Absolutely. Thanks, Randy. The, the word we're told by our expert is pronounced vlog. And so here on the Content Pros podcast, we're going to be talking all about vlogging, even vlogging like a boss. So Amy, a video content marketing strategist at Vlog Boss Studios, welcome to Content Pros. Thank you, Jeff and Randy. I appreciate you having me. So, so let's, let's start right in with, with the word vlog, which is, sure. has always been confusing to me because blog itself is already... Mm-hmm. Kind of a contraction of yes. weblog, or maybe it's even a portmanteau, and so we add video weblog to become vlog. What? Where does all that come from? That's exactly what it is, and I define it that way in the book. It, it really is that simple, which is why I'm always inclined to say it's vlog versus vlog, because you know we wouldn't say vlog, we would say blog. But it's really just anything that you would put in a blog post, if it's in video form, then it's considered a vlog. So that could be sort of telling a story about your life. That could be doing a tutorial. That could be reviewing a product. Anything that you can do in sort of the written form of a blog, which is essentially just updated content on your website, you can do the same thing with a vlog. It's just video. So we normally think about vlogs as being a form of personal expression. I'd love your thoughts on how, how this idea or this approach to to video content would apply in the in the corporate world or the business world, and Definitely. if you and if you have any examples of uh, of a company or two that's actually using this approach, that would be great. Absolutely. So I think we're seeing a lot more of this because we're 
talking about marketing these days, we can't just keep getting on our, on our soapboxes and telling like it is, even if we are telling something that is very valuable, it's not able to keep attention the same way that it could have in, in past years. It's really tough to keep eyeballs on what you're doing these days. Cause there's so much content out there. So the reason why the vlog is very strong in terms of a content marketing opportunity is because you're more showing in addition to telling you're, you're still telling, but you're, you're letting people see what the process looks like or behind the scenes. And that's what the vlog really has to offer. You're tapping into all of those senses, sight and hearing, and also allowing someone to kind of go through this experience with you in order to, to kind of learn or discover you in the first place. Um, I, there's definitely a lot of brands that are doing this, but we don't have to compartmentalize them as whether it's YouTube or not, because you can actually vlog in a lot of different ways. And I would actually argue that in terms of social media, the reason why Snapchat, in my opinion, actually gained any traction is because they took what we as video editors can do in sort of a produced pre-recorded video for YouTube. And they gave it to the average user in an app. And you can simply press a button and record a 10 second clip and tell a story in many multiples of clips, which is very effective because we can't keep attention for much longer than that these days. So it really forces you to sort of change things up. So uh, there's, there's definitely a lot of ways that you can vlog. I think one of the biggest examples in sort of the B2B to be space that we see from a vlogging perspective is uh, Gary Vaynerchuk is doing a really fantastic job of showing what does it really look like to be the CEO of a company. And that's getting his company a lot of traction by showing what is his work life like. That's an extreme example, but it certainly is in the way of looking at someone's day and actually seeing something that you can learn from. It's a really powerful one, but it doesn't have to be that way uh, all the time. You know, it can be as simple as, you know, Mercedes Benz using Instagram stories to kind of take you on a journey of, oh, we're sending the photographers to to this destination to take photos of this amazing place, but we're going to take our cars to get there. And so you can kind of see product placement while also telling a story. So there's a lot of different ways that you can vlog, um, but it doesn't have to be this sort of life casting category. Another really good example I like to give is Lowe's. Lowe's does a really great job of grabbing attention with video through vlogging on Facebook. They upload this content and it's usually tutorial based, but they try to fit it into your life because if you think about Facebook, it's like a family reunion if you hang out at the Facebook party, right? So you have to kind of fit into that mold if you're going to hang out there and promote content there. But they still leverage the vlog to make you see the opportunity in shopping with them, buying product with them, and having it fit into what you're doing. So there's a number of ways you can do this. It doesn't have to be, hey, here's who I am, what I'm doing, and what I ate for lunch today. It can be so much more than that. And you can still make good on the promise that you want to with your content by teaching something while you're showing. Those are great examples. And it, it actually led right into what would have been my next question, where you highlighted a lot of, a lot of different platforms that, that you can use as you pointed out, it's, it's more than just YouTube. So we'll skip that question because you, you <laughs> kind of got that one covered. But if, if you're a content marketer and you want to start taking, taking this approach to vlogging and creating some content, where do you start? In other words, is it is it similar to any other kind of content that you create where you you basically create a strategy that 
that addresses an audience and provides some value? Or are there some things that make vlogging unique in this perspective? So I'll, I'll go ahead and, and sort of make good on your, your, your question. You didn't ask and this and sort of tap into what I, I just said a little bit, because I think we can dive a little bit deeper into it. You can just get started. I think that's what we want everyone to do. You know, pick up the smartphone and go. That's the easy answer. And for some brands, that'll sound okay at first, but it's like, really, we're just going to use a phone for this? You really can. And, and I think it starts with a couple of things. Where do you want to communicate with your audience? Where do you know that they're hanging out? I think we know that they're hanging out on Facebook. It just depends on how. Um, and, you know, any other social network, I think there's not one demo on YouTube. It's pretty much the whole world is using YouTube. It's just a matter of how. So, so once you start to break down who it is you're trying to reach and where they're getting their information, that's where you start to develop a video strategy because you have to go to those environments and fully start to understand them. Um, I kind of tapped into it when I was saying, you know, Facebook is like a family reunion. I like to look at every social network like they are a different kind of party. And if we had to call them a different kind of party, you would attend them differently. You wouldn't attend a Super Bowl party the same way that you would attend a cocktail party. So if Facebook is a family reunion, you know, how can you mold your con- your content to fit into that? And then same with Instagram stories is that's in my opinion, sort of like the New York fashion week kind of party. And Twitter is like a networking event. When you look at the context of all these places and say, okay, this is how people are, are getting their content. This is what's the most shareable. This is what they like to see. What's now taking that in consideration? Where do we want to be? And then what's the promise that we want to make? And for me, when I first started my channel, I was just getting started in the social media marketing space. I started my business as a side hustle in 2009 and 2010. And when I took it full time in 2011, I knew that businesses that I, that needed to hire me didn't really want to. Everyone was saying, we have to have a Facebook page. Why? You know, why do we have to do this? And it was a chore for them. And I wanted them to learn but I didn't want it to be a chore. So I offered them fun, bingeable, easy content to watch about the things that they needed to know because they were searching for it so that it introduced them to me and made them trust me as a thought leader. So I think you have to say, where do I want to be and why? Because my customer must be there for a reason. And then what's the promise I'm going to make? That's going to start to shape this idea of what your content is going to be. That's so much easier to get started with because at least it gives you somewhat of a game plan to have something powerful up front. And when the name of the game here is shareability, you have to understand the context of every individual platform where you plan to publish so that you can get that shareability. And I think a lot of people dive into a platform because it's the hot thing or a a type of content like video blog because it's a hot thing and they don't really consider how they should do it effectively first. And that's really important here. I, I love those analogies at the beginning in terms of, you know, one is, yeah, the, the, the vanity fair I th- or, or whichever mm-hmm. analogy mm-hmm. you gave there, you know, makes me wonder what vine was exactly. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, you don't have to answer that. That was one. like speed dating. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Every everyone wanted to try. You know? Yeah, like, that's right. <laughs> it's intriguing. Um, exactly. You know, one date doesn't hurt. Um, all right. So, so it hurt but, a little bit, Randy. <laughs> Speed dating has hurt a little bit. Thank you. It's true. It's true. All right. So, so 
a lot of the people who listen to content pros tune in and, you know, they're looking for ideas. So everyone now sitting there saying like, ah, I got, I got to get a vlog, right? You know, where do I start? And, wow. and I think, I think you nail, sorry, I, I'm not going to, I'm so, I'm so out of it, right? Like I'm not in with the, in the crowd, I guess, but everyone wants to nail vlog, right? So I love how you describe follow the right personas, but maybe you can help us if you're a mass market solution. So let's let's say you're a big B2C brand that appeals to mass market. What would you say some of the more easier platforms to start on are today? Well, that's interesting because I actually think in that situation, you kind of have this amazing opportunity to, instead of just starting with the easiest thing, I mean, you can do that, but there's also the opportunity of leveraging video blogging by also leveraging influencer marketing as well. And your vlog could be happening just on other people's platforms, which is of course, you know, what, what we want anyway. Um, but with that being said, you know, that can be one thing to consider, but another thing to consider is if we're talking about mass market, then we have to look at where the masses are. And, uh, we also have to look at if, if you're trying to reach a certain demo versus another that may or may not be, uh, already engaged in what it is you sell. So is it young people that aren't buying or is it an older demographic that's not buying yet, but we want to get more attention from them? Um, although we see a significant number of people on Facebook, I think we also see that younger people don't want to hang out there as much as they might want to someplace else. So maybe our demo is going to be there and we want to start publishing there. Regardless of that, once we choose that destination, the easiest thing is to go find out what works there and then begin to do it. The, the thing is, and it's really not a fun answer anymore because it just sounds like a cop out, but you can get started on absolutely any social media platform right now with video blogging with a phone and an internet signal. And that's why I say easy means simply saying, okay, if we just want to start, if we just want to test something, if we just want to have a campaign and see how this goes, where would that be? And what is the goal here? How are we going to know it worked so that we can just go there and get started and then prove to yourself that you even want to do more there, want to spend more, want to use more resources, want to grow sort of the kit or the, um, the equipment that we're using. And, and that's because you've seen success there. But the easiest way to get started is simply by having the people in your organization leverage the tools that they already have and the expertise they already have and the message they already know very well about your company and why the people they're trying to reach will care about that to tell that story with video. And so I, that's, um, I think that's where my answer kind of starts, but where would you want to kind of dive deeper into that? Well, you know, I, I, I think I actually want to maybe ask you just like a, a bit of a tricky question. Okay. Kind of go going off in a bit of a different direction at the same time, and you know we're we're talking about all these social platforms, and a lot of us who are marketers, we know what the obvious ones are, like you said, right? You know, mass market things like that. But I'm wondering if you've ever seen any you know really good executions of bringing some of this vlogging, there you go, vlogging, uh, back onto your own site, right? And maybe that's the B two B marketer in me or sometimes Jeff mm-hmm. that speaks out on this show and is like, oh, we got to drive people to our site so we can convert them. But, you know, what's your mindset in terms of whether or not it's best to just fully adopt the social platforms out there 
versus owning some of this content on our own site. I mean, I know for yourself, you have your own you know, blog experience that incorporates a lot of the blogging into it. How do you kind of guide some of your clients um, you know, down the road of whether to embrace social or whether to embrace a home? So I tell them to embrace all of the above. And this is this has been kind of nice for me because I've always been in two worlds. I've been in the YouTube world for a really long time, but I've also been a business person for some time as well. And so because of that, I see the importance of respecting an environment that is social and also respecting the fact that I'm trying to build my thing. I'm not always trying to build someone else's thing. I can spend all of my time and resources asking for you to go to YouTube and re- subscribe to my channel. But if for some reason, YouTube got mad at me someday and deleted it, or YouTube for some reason were to leave the face of the planet, then I would be out of luck. And so that's why I tell everyone that you need to have it all. And that is basically taking into consideration that each of these places on the internet is somewhere on your funnel. And so where is it in the funnel and, and understand where it is so that you always know what the call to action needs to be. So while it's very important to be on these social networks, because you can't meet anyone unless you go to someone else's party. So we're being invited to these parties. It's totally free. We get to go be ourselves and introduce people to us simply by showing up and being consistent. But with that, I have given you value. So now I have the ability to ask for return. And the next step in this funnel here is for you to come to my party. And my party happens on my website. So it's important to me to nurture a network and to be really specific. YouTube is a big social home base for me. But then SavvySexySocial.com is my actual home base. I know that YouTube wants me to send people to their platform. They don't really like views as much embedded on a blog post as much as they do in a place where they control the ad space. So I'm going to send people to their platform so that YouTube likes me as a channel, wants to send me more traffic, wants to lift me up in search. But then when people are hooked on me and when people are subscribed and watching a lot of content, they're also going to get a call to action from me that says, hey, you should go back to the website for this reason. And you should join the email list for this reason. It's not just because I have a cool newsletter. That's not enough anymore. It has to be relevant to what we've talked about, why you found me, what you just watched on video, and what the natural next step would be. But respecting where everything is in the funnel and then making the call to action make sense in each of those places is the reason why all of those environments are important and can all help you. But if you put all your eggs in the social basket and don't build your own thing, you're not going to do well. If you only try to build your own thing and try to force people just to come back to your website, you're not going to do well. People are hanging out on social for a reason. So you have to have that balance across the board and you have to be really clear about what you need your your ROI to be here so that you can make the appropriate calls to action when it makes sense. Yeah, that that's great advice to, to think about being, being out there, but also having some control of, of your own content. Absolutely. So earlier, I think you mentioned the idea of influencers and the importance of, of, vloggers connecting with influencers who I guess are also vlogging and in the in the sort of latest trend of marketing influencers we hear about basically people on Instagram Snapchat previously on Vine who were making ridiculous sums of money to basically 
do some product placement because they had big audiences. Mm-hmm. If if you were to advise a brand about how to how to approach that that crazy influencer world, what would you what would you say? In other words, what's the thought process? What's the thought process of thinking through like? as you say, what's, what's the ROI of it? How do I find the right person? You know, is it, it, what can I do once they've made a video and then I'm gone? Like they wore my t-shirt with my brand and then off we go. What, what does all that look like? I think it's, it's actually a world in my opinion, that's worth looking into as a brand because the really cool thing about these influencers, and it sounds crazy that how much money they're making, but what, many of them have done, especially the ones that I've seen grow on YouTube specifically. But of course, we're seeing a lot of cool stuff come out of Vine and Snapchat. They take their audience so seriously. They refuse to promote something they don't fully believe in or have somehow sort of aligned with them in a way that makes sense. So with that, I would say, if you want to know the ROI of it, then you shouldn't be afraid to ask questions like, what are the real metrics here? In terms of what are the metrics that actually matter? A lot of these influencers, who ha- they, have, they have a, a number and a portfolio to give you in terms of what they've been able to do in the past with other sponsors or, or in other ways to get results. And someone who has built a, a incredible trust with their audience does have the ability to get you conversion, but it's just a matter of what is it that you're expecting to get out of this so that you can make your number make sense with theirs. And so that's really big. But the most important thing is the one that um, I think brands have the hardest time with, and that's a little bit of creative control. The reason why that influencer is going to be able to do any justice for you and and help you in any way is because they will need to have that creative control. They will need to talk to their audience the way that they always have. They will need to integrate you in a way that makes sense with how they have portrayed themselves and what they do and how they do it. And I think brands have a hard time with that because they really want to nail down messaging and it needs to be word for word and all of this. And I think you need to have a balance of that. I'm not saying, you know, send the money off and willy nilly, they'll get it done. You need to know what they can offer you, but you also need to know that the reason they can offer it to you is because they know how to communicate what you want to their audience in a way that their audience will respect. And so that's, I think the biggest piece of advice that I would give, but it's one of by far the best ways to get exposure that you're looking for. Because if someone can lend you that social proof that they've built for themselves, there's nothing better than that. And I think it's, it's just making sure as a brand that you ask them the questions that make sense to ask instead of basing a number on how many followers they have when we know how many people are buying followers these days. Ask them the real questions of conversion in terms of what has, the, what has their result been in the past? What examples can they give? And then get on board with them. Because in 2017, there's no reason why that data doesn't exist. It certainly does. And there's no reason why an influencer can't offer it to you. Okay, that, that's that's great advice. Great way to think about it, and and bring that into marketing plans that content marketers are are used to thinking about and understanding. So I I am not much of a YouTube person, and before I uh, hand this over to Randy, I I want you to explain to me and our listeners three different kinds of YouTube videos, uh, at least two of which are very. 
uh, influencer-driven, and then the third is, I guess, a user-generated type piece. Um, so I'll ask you all three of them, and then you respond however you like. So the first is watching other people play video games. <laughs> uh, the second is makeup videos. So I, I've, I've, I guess I've learned a little bit about, what are they called? Smoky eyes, I think that's mm, the, the right term. Yeah. I, I've crossed those. Those have crossed my path. And then the third is the eating cinnamon videos. And, and I may be dating myself because I, that's probably like a 2015 thing. So old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And in YouTube years, that's, I must be a hundred or something, but oh, I, no. I'd, I'd love some, I'd love some brief explanations on those three categories of YouTube videos. So <laughs> these are all very, very interesting selections, but, um, they all have sort of their reason, I guess in, in the video game space. And I, I'm not going to say I'm versed on that because I uh, don't play video games, but what I have seen from that is video games are obviously something that a mass consumer enjoys. And because they do, they're, they want to be better at it. Therefore, they use YouTube to go and watch people play these video games to get better. When you do that as the gamer, you actually have this really captive audience. Not only are they paying deep attention about what you're doing on screen, but you could be talking about the game or something completely different. And I've actually seen quite a few gamers do this. Well, they, they will talk about a hot button issue, but they will play a game while they talk about it. So you're watching the game, but they're talking about something else, or they might just be talking about the game. Regardless, this person becomes a thought leader to the viewer on how to get better at that game, how to play that game, how to be worse at that game, whatever the case may be. And so people watch gamers for that reason, but it's really interesting how you can actually integrate other kinds of content with that. And um, influencer placement here can happen very easily because you're, it's almost like a podcast. You're hearing these words right now. You're listening to them. You might think you're multitasking while you're checking email or driving or something like that, but we're still in your ear. So you're listening to that. So whatever the gamer is saying on top of the game being played, uh, it, it, uh, it happens to go into your brain and you remember it and you've been influenced by it. Makeup tutorials are extremely effective because everyone's trying to look better in some capacity. And we don't go to the makeup counter anymore to learn how to put makeup on. We look it up on the internet. We go to the, we go to the CVS and get it really cheap and learn how to put it on. And because of that, the people that are teaching us how to do it, they're very good at putting on makeup, but we think, you know, we can play golf well if we buy the right golf clubs. So we go to the store and we buy the exact same products that they use. And we think we're going to look the same as the girl on the video. And that works. That just sells product. I can tell you many items in my makeup drawer that have been purchased because I said, you know what? My best chance of looking just like that is to get the exact same thing she bought. And so I do. And that is just one of the most lucrative spaces on YouTube in terms of product referral and specifically influencer marketing. So how, uh, Amy, let me ask, how are you at creating smoky eyes? Oh my God. I don't even try that. No, no. <laughs> that, that's or, or I guess, I guess I should say it right. I should say smoky eyes. <laughs> smoky eyes. Uh, I feel like smoky eyes have a time and a place. And so I don't really like ever have that time or place. So I don't do the smoky eye thing, but, um, that's, uh, I've learned a few things about makeup on YouTube. That's for sure. The eating cinnamon is uh, interesting. If you don't know what this is, 
it's a challenge. And a challenge is something that, you know, sort of takes YouTube by storm. Uh, a lot of people participated in the ice bucket challenge. That was another example of a challenge. And so essentially, the, the idea is that there is a theme and everybody wants to be a part of that theme. So if they see everybody's doing a challenge, they think, oh, I better do this for my audience on my channel so that I can get that same attention it seems to be getting with everyone else on my channel. And so the eating cinnamon challenge was one that was <laughs> kind of a health risk. And uh, people thought, why don't we try this thing where we try to eat a, spoon a spoonful of cinnamon? And I think the point was to try to eat it uh, or try to not cough or die or something. It was a very bizarre challenge. But the thing I think is the most important takeaway of this is not the actual eating of cinnamon and is more of the picking up of these sort of like theme challenge pieces of content that end up happening on these social networks, it can almost be compared to a hashtag on Twitter. If a hashtag is trending, we want to get on board with that hashtag. This is a piece of content. This is a challenge that's happening. So if you get on board with it, you, you can appeal to the people who have been watching those challenges all over the place, and now they get to see it from you. It's sort of a way to kind of fit into what's happening in the context of your, of your network. That, that was a ton of fun to listen to, guys. Like, uh, well, while you guys were working on through that question, I, I just want to let you know we completed a mannequin challenge in my office, oh, and wow. and I successfully landed a water bottle flipping on the table. So, you know, everything's yeah, I'm very productive on this side. <laughs> um, I actually don't know if I if that was more my favorite answer ever or my favorite question by Jeff ever. I gotta <laughs> I gotta debate that. That's uh, that was a ton of fun. Well, so, thanks, Randy. <laughs> so, Amy, we, we've got a bit more time here, and what we always like to do is make sure we get to know the person behind the job, right? So, um, you know, I, I dug up some, you know, some dirt on you slash, you know, interesting tips that we want to find out about. And we'll, we'll start with something really easy, but it's actually not that easy. Uh, so everyone knows how we do these podcasts. Jeff and I get like tutorials on how to pronounce people's names ahead of time. So I want to know what the worst pronunciation is you've ever had of Schmidt Tower. Can I say it? Uh, oh, really? I, I think so. I mean, we... Well, your I mean, best friend is our editor. Like, she can always edit it out. Go for um, it. Uh, um, it's uh, it was. Oh man, I don't even think I want to say this on the record. Um, <laughs> so if you take the M out, and then the last part of my name could be another name for a lady of the street. So if you combine those two things, oh, wow. Um, it makes for a really terrible pronunciation. Everyone is currently name. looking down at the screen of their mobile device to be like, who's the guest again? <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I got it. All right. Cool. Cool. <laughs> Not that cool, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, so, so the people can get to know you a little bit better. Next question. Are, are, first of all, I assume you're on Instagram. Yes. Are you public? And if so, how many times per day do you post a story? Oh, uh, I'm absolutely public. <laughs> um, I love Instagram, especially what it does to help me build my brand. And I think on average, I post to stories, I would say five times a day. 
Okay, that's pretty impressive. Probably more lately, just because I'm, you know, I'm trying to show everybody that I have a new book out. So I've been posting on Instagram quite a bit. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, cool. I I like when people post a lot of stories. When you dig in there, then you really get to know them versus. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was not good of a story. It's the compilation, right? I think Instagram stories is the best thing ever because the, the bar for an Instagram post is so high. I felt like I couldn't like show behind the scenes on Instagram. And now I feel like you get that back. It's like, it's the best. I love that feature. Okay. Okay. So other than your own vlog, look how far I've come in this. Mm, Yeah. Uh, Now I rocked that. Um, What would you say is one that people should tune into? What's one that you tune into just to get your own inspiration? I am, I have a few inspirations um, that I've had since the beginning. So I'm going to give you two. I have always been inspired by Justine Zarek, better known as I Justine. She was one of the first people I found on YouTube, and I just loved the way that she could turn us, you know, her daily life into a story. And so she's just done an incredible job um, for a number of years on YouTube. So I love watching I Justine, and she's just one of the funniest these days. She's putting anything you can think of in a blender, and it's just the most hilarious thing to watch. So there's I Justine, but. I would say that I got a lot of inspiration from Philip DeFranco, who's also an OG of YouTube, because he took what was happening in the news and what was important and happening in the world and delivered it in a way that made young people actually care about what's happening. And I learned a lot from that in how I wanted to teach marketing and make it interesting on my YouTube channel. And so I definitely recommend Philip DeFranco. He can be a little bit R-rated sometimes, but um, he's, he's, he's really good at keeping things fun that are also important to know and for those people who aren't watching the evening news. That's awesome. All right, last question that we have time for. I want you to think really hard about this one before answering because it's a bit of an opportunity. Okay. If you could only buy one book in the next month or so, what book would that be and where would you go to buy it? You know, it's so funny. There's it's this book crazy. coming out on Tuesday. <laughs> on January 31st, Vlog Like a Boss is coming out and I would go to vloglikeaboss.com to buy it if I were you or me or anybody. Awesome. All right. I, I think everyone's going to do that. Yeah, I don't know why. But <laughs> I don't know what your inspiration for that answer was. But uh, this has been a ton of fun, Amy. You know, Jeff, thanks for being with me too, as always. Uh, if people have enjoyed this podcast, we've got plenty more as well ourselves. You can find them at contentprospodcast.com. A reminder that this podcast is part of the Convince and Convert network of podcasts family of podcasts, if you will, lots of other great content available for you on those sites. Please leave us a review wherever you're finding us, whether it's Google Play, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, you know, if there's a spot to give us feedback, let us know what you what you've enjoyed. Until next time, you'll you'll probably find us podcasting, but maybe one day we'll be vlogging for all you know. Thanks so much, Amy. Thanks for having me. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince & Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince & Convert Media. Interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show? Visit us at convinceandconvert.com. 